middle of a series called Tensions. And if you haven't noticed, life is full of tensions. Some of those tensions are because we are wanting to choose things that uh, we want to do compared to the things that God wants us to do. But sometimes there's tensions where there's two things in the Bible that are equally true, but they seem to be in conflict with one another. What we're going to be looking at today is the tension between holiness and relevance, being holy and being relevant. Now, when you hear that word holy, what kind of images come to your mind? It's easy to think of holiness as simply a moral perfection, that uh, God is holy, meaning that he's perfect. And then the next logical jump from holy to perfect is that he then is a killjoy, that he's mostly this, uh, this God in the sky who's looking to make sure that everything is correct. And that's what's going on in his mind. He wants to make sure that you move from being wrong to being right, because he's always right. And if you're going to be a holy person, then you need to be always right, do the correct thing, and do it perfectly. If you remember that old, those of you who are a little bit older, remember that Billy Joel song, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. And it's this idea that if you get too close to God or you get too righteous, it's just a bad time. There's nothing fun going on. Nobody's enjoying themselves. They're all serious, trying to be good. And then uh, to ease people into this really awkward and difficult uh, introduction to God, we, the church adopts this thing called relevance, in that we need to be relevant, meaning that we try to make it an easy entrance into a God who isn't a whole lot of fun. And so we've got to kind of dress it up a little bit, make him look a little bit happier than he really is, uh, say to people, well, he's really not that serious, or at least sometimes he's not that serious. And so we try to ease people into this Christianity that doesn't sound like a whole lot of good news. What we want to be able to do tonight is re-examine the idea of holiness and relevance, hopefully in a way that's more biblical, and I also believe to be more life-giving. Let's look first, then, at what the definition of holiness means. And it's simply this. Uh, holiness means to be purely devoted, to be devoted to, to be set apart and devoted to something. Now, listen to these two verses to get a, uh, a clue as to what we're to be devoted to, all right? In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, it says, For he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. So that's, okay, he chose us to be holy and blameless. Now, what does that mean? In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. So, uh, what are we devoted to? What are we set apart to? Sonship. Holiness, in this passage, is connected to being set apart to be a son or daughter of our Heavenly Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. That's holiness, right? We're going to be separated from the world around us. And then it says, And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. 
What's God saying? He's saying that what holiness is mostly about is coming out from a mixture of relationships and allegiances and being devoted wholly to him. The word holy is a relational word, not a word that's about moral perfection in some abstract kind of way. Therefore, holiness describes behavior only as it describes the qualities of a pure, loving, and devoted relationship. So when God says that he is holy, he's saying he is holy committed to you, devoted to you in a covenant relationship. Holiness is a relational word. It's not an abstract word that describes some kind of distant and removed perfection. That's why in Romans 13.10, it says that uh, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so the, the rules that we see in the Bible are actually meant to express what relationship looks like. So to be holy is to pursue a loving versus a sinful relationship with God and then with others. Can you please hear this now? The command to be holy is a command to be purely devoted to your heavenly Father. So when he says to you, be holy, he's not thinking of a list of rules and obey those. And if you can obey those super, super well, then you're as holy as I am. That's not what's going on when we think of the word holy. I, uh, as I was going through this talk, I was thinking about dating. And uh, I, I remember doing that a long time ago. And, uh, uh, and so what pastors would continually tell me to do with great fear in their eyes was to be holy while I, to, and, and pure when I was dating. Have you ever had it? When I, if you've been in the church, you've been sat down once or twice to have those uh, talks. And you need to be pure. And so uh, the message that I picked up was that there's a whole bunch of things that you really want to do and would probably enjoy. Don't do any of those. That's the, that's the message that I, was, that I was getting. So think of what you enjoy and then cross that out. And then you're having a pure relationship. All right? Can you follow this? So just think of happy thoughts and X those. And now you're walking, you're walking in moral purity. So, the, uh, uh, it's hard to believe that the call to a pure relationship is actually a call to a relationship that is more life-giving, more enjoyable, more satisfying, that that's what the call to holiness or purity is really about. Now, I don't know if you believe me. They go, really? Well, good luck with that. But I have a whole bunch of things that are going on in my head that don't be, seem to be supported in the Bible. And uh, participating in those sometimes has some fun attached to it. And God, in his infinite love, says, uh, you need help knowing what true life and love is really about. And so I need to write it down so it's clear for you. But my only motive, because I am holy, 
My only motive is to help you have life-giving relationships, first with me and then with others. It takes faith to believe in God's definition of a loving relationship. It takes faith to believe that. But as we walk it out, we find those relationships to be far more life-giving than we could ever imagine. Therefore, uh, to be a little holy means to be a little loving. So if you don't believe in this definition of holiness that is about being purely devoted in a life-giving relationship, then what you mostly spend your life doing is balancing holiness with fun or satisfaction. But what the Bible teaches is that to be a little holy would be to be a little loving. And to be very holy would be to be very loving. Therefore, let me give you a definition of what love is, or maybe in Ephesians 5, what love is not. This is not loving. In Ephesians 5, here's what it says. Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So I've been around the church now for, uh, I think, about four decades. And uh, I listen to people who are trying not to be religious. And so what they do is they walk the line of uh, mildly obscene jokes, which is mildly obscene. You're not going to say the F word, but it's going to imply it. It's just, just a little bit obscene. Not super obscene. That would be wrong. We're Christians after all. So we're just going to be mildly obscene. And our jokes are going to be a little coarse, not super coarse, because that would be inappropriate. So we're just going to have mildly coarse jokes. And if we swear now and then for emphasis, what that shows is that we're not under the law. We're under grace. And so we need to just swear now and then, not all the time, because that would be inappropriate, but we swear now and then just to remind people that we're not religious and we're not into this stuffy God who, uh, who just is mostly trying to control people and not let them be expressive in their language. And so, uh, uh, again, because of this misunderstanding of holiness, we have to balance it out with just a little bit of coarse language, with just a little bit of obscenity and filth. The Bible tells us not to be obscene, not to be foolish or coarse, because it's unloving. Because when you talk that way, you're degrading someone, whether it's God or women, whatever it would be, it's, you're degrading them. And that's not appropriate. Don't do that. Don't do it, not because it's a rule, but don't do it because it's unloving if you talk that way. Are you following me on this? 
We're not free from the law or free from legalism by walking into uh, mildly inappropriate moments thinking that we're free from being religious. No, you're just being free from being loving. So, uh, I mean, I just, I, just, I just don't swear. I don't think I'm a stronger Christian. I don't uh, think I'm more righteous. I just think it's inappropriate. It's improper for God's holy people to talk that way. So I don't. And I don't think you should talk that way. And when you're mad, I don't think you should give full vent to your anger. I think you'll hurt people when you do that. And I think you'll slander God's name when you do that. And so when you're angry, you should be self-controlled in your anger and speak appropriately. This is what's fitting for God's holy people. Now, you've got to hear this word correctly. This is what's fitting for people who are committed to a loving, life-giving relationship with God and with other people. That's what's fitting. Um, so, that's holiness. Holiness is about being purely devoted to God and out of that to others. What then is being relevant? Now, I love this dictionary definition of relevance. Um, the quality or state, it's going to come up, it's going to be super exciting. Here we go, wait for it. Vic, what are you doing back? There we go. Uh, relevant describes the quality or state of being closely connected or appropriate. Now look at that, look at that sentence for a minute. Does that sentence look like compromise? Is it? contrasted with a pure and devoted relationship. So you're either pure and devoted or you're relevant. When I look at that definition, the quality or state of being closely connected or appropriate. So if I say that that's not relevant, I'm saying that that's not, I'm not, I'm not connected. Uh, relevance is not diluting holiness, it's expressing holiness. It's being connected. Holiness, primarily about being connected to God. And now I'm going to be relevant by in that, uh, as I love God, I'm not going to love my neighbor. And I'm, there, it's a state. I'm, I'm going to be closely connected. I'm not going to be distant and high and lofty. And No, I'm going to be closely connected. And I'm going to be appropriate with you. I'm going to do what's best for you. Now I'm being relevant. Therefore, relevance is not the opposite of holiness. It expresses it. Um, I remember I became a Christian when I was 11 years old. And uh, I remember the... Uh, I was very vocal about my newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And so I told everybody who would listen and many who didn't. 
I just told everybody that I was a Christian. Very, very bold. Clearly unashamed of the gospel. And uh, often not relevant, not connected or appropriate. But, uh, but I remember uh, talking to my friends. And I had this one friend who just had the foulest mouth. Man, you know, you could have one word that would be an adverb, adjective, noun, you know, pronoun. Like it just was every, like he just, it, he didn't have a large vocabulary. Um, but man, that boy could cuss. And so, uh, so I have now become a Christian. And so he stopped cussing around me. He, he stopped. It was a miracle. And he just, he just would always speak well around me. And then I remember thinking, wow, uh, he's not being genuine around me. And he's probably thinking that God is super judgmental and so he has to behave around me. So I thought, I'm going to be relevant. And so I said to him, you know, uh, it's okay if you, if you cuss around me. And he really did. He took that to heart. And he went right back to the palace mouth of... And, I, and so it was kind of like, did I win or not? Like, did I further him toward Jesus in this moment or not? And maybe he shouldn't have cussed around me. Because maybe it is inappropriate and alienating. And in the name of making God more accessible, I undermined what love and healthy relationship should really be about. How could it ever be true that we should water down love in order for people to come and know Jesus? And we're somehow apologetic for valuing God's definition of love and purity. Sorry. Shouldn't we be proud of that? No, I, I've taken my cues of what love is from my creator and heavenly father. And this is what he says the most loving words and behaviors can be. And so I'm choosing those. Even when I don't necessarily understand why. I'm not building a bridge to the world by being less loving. I'm not. I want to be more loving, not less loving. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? So uh, I want you, I, I'll tell somebody, I want you to receive uh, the love of God. And so I want to build a bridge for that. So whenever you see me, I'm just going to hit you a bit. Because <laughs> I want to make it easier for you to come into the love of God. So I'm just going to hit you, cuss you out a little bit. And that'll be easier. <laughs> it's just stupid, right? Like as if, <laughs> like, but we somehow think that if we're just a little less loving, that that's going to be easier for somebody to come into a love relationship with God. It just makes no sense. No, the most 
relevant thing to do, the thing that would best connect and would be most appropriate is to not disguise the beauty of the love of God. I do not think the church's biggest issue is we're too loving. I just, I just think that. I don't think we need to tone it down so that more people would come to Christ. I've never had to have that talk with anybody. You're being way too loving. Just chill. It's, uh, it's okay. I've never had to say that to anybody, including myself. Um, so, holiness and relevance are a false tension. They're a false tension. They're actually relevance is an extension of holiness. So it says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, it says, To the weak, this sounds like relevance. To the weak, I, am, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. That's relevance. But there's no compromise of love in that. It's just getting rid of all the other things that might dilute and disguise the love of God. It's not getting rid of love. It's not getting rid of holiness. It's getting rid of all the other stuff that isn't about holiness so that you can see what's really going on here. A loving God introducing himself to you. A holy God. Pure. No sin at all in him. I want you to see him. So I'm just going to get rid of all the other stuff so you can see him more clearly. So my first point is that holiness is the most beautiful and attractive reality you might not even be able to imagine. And to come face to face with God is to come face to face with the source of all that is beautiful and right and pure and good. And there is no reason why we would ever try to dilute that or apologize for that because it's all that our hearts have ever dreamed for. What then is the opposite of relevance and holiness? If they're not opposites of each other, what are the opposites of? And I think it's this, pride and self-righteousness. The opposite of being relevant is not to be holy, it's to be proud. That's the opposite. It's to be self-righteous. My favorite verse that explains religion, still my favorite, is Luke 18, 9. There are some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. Now that's ugly. Religion is super ugly. Self-righteousness is disgusting. And when you see it, whether it's in your own heart or somebody else's, it churns your stomach. And we don't, we don't tone that down. We kill it. We kill self-righteousness and pride. And we say there's no way that people are going to be able to know the love of God if I think I'm somehow better than them. 
somehow superior because I happen to be forgiven. And so maybe the reason why the church is irrelevant is simply because we've not known how to walk in the love of God as a lifestyle. It's not because we're not accessible. I told this before, it was a few years ago, but my favorite example of this is that she doesn't go to our church anymore because she's gotten, she's older now and it's hard for her to make the trek from New Westminster. It says she can't drive at night and so she's going to church in uh, New West now at a friend's church. Her name is Bernice Sandrup. And uh, I've known Bernice for over 20 years. And she's, I think as far as I know, she's always been a grandma. She just always has looked like one for all the time that I've known her. And uh, so she always wears a sweater. And she always has Kleenex rolled up in the sleeve of the sweater. Okay? And there is nothing cool about her. She's never thought of being cool. It's not an agenda. There's, not, there's no, nothing cool. And her ministry for years was to reach male and female prostitutes in the Lower East Side. And so she would go down uh, with others. She did it for years and years. She would go down with coffee, giving warm coffee and starting conversations. And then they started a, a halfway house to get people out of that lifestyle. An amazing woman. And I would say, a holy woman. And her holiness was thoroughly beautiful and attractive. And there was nothing designer about her. Thoroughly relevant. Thoroughly appropriate and connected because she was revealed the love of God. So every time I think about myself and I go, wow, uh, I'm meeting so-and-so and, and how should I dress for that? And, and I'm going, really? Really? What are you insecure about, Greg? What are you insecure about this time? That you have to compensate you have to add on to love, as if love won't be enough to win people's hearts to the Father. What do you need to add? And then I remember Bernice. And I, I, I'm not going to wear sweaters anytime soon. I, I have a bit of pride. Um, it's being funny. So um, pride and self-righteousness are ugly. And they're irrelevant. Holiness is relevant and is always appropriate. So why then do we feel the opposite? In, uh, in 1 John 5 verse 3 it says, God's commands, living holy, living righteously, not being obscene or sexual immorality, not doing those things, but being kind and generous and forgiving... Why? Why? It says in 1 John 5, 3, it says, God's commands are not burdensome. They're not heavy. Why does holiness sometimes feel heavy? That the call to holy, it's like, oh. 
It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it's something I want to go into. It feels something that I've got to just think twice about whether I really want to do this or not. Do I really want to be holy? Really? I think that there's two reasons why we might find the call to holiness to be burdensome. I'll present two to you and then we'll conclude. Number one is that we use holiness to earn love. So if you uh, think that uh, John 3.16 is not true, uh, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that you don't believe that verse. You believe that God so loved better people that he gave his one and only son. If you think that the love of God is somehow earned, somehow manipulated, that love is somehow a reward, then holiness is super burdensome because you know deep in your heart that you'll never be good enough to receive the love of God. You never will be. But you have this nagging feeling inside that says, if I can just be a little bit more loving, then maybe I'll get a little bit more loved. And that will drive you crazy. That either God's love is genuine based on his decision, not your worthiness, or it's not love at all. Romans 8, 3 says, For what the law was powerless to do, the law is powerless to convince God to love you. It's useless. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Can you say amen to that? Amen. That our relationship with God is not based on our performance or worth. It's based on a decision by Jesus Christ to be a substitutionary sacrifice to forgive us our sins and to put us in a holy, right relationship with our loving Father to remove all barriers. So if the idea of holiness is burdensome to you, could it be that you're misusing holiness? That it's somehow to get something instead of to give something? And if holiness is about getting, it is a heavy, heavy weight. And what grieves me as I look at religious people inside of the church and in mosques and temples, nobody's smiling. And there's nobody smiling in those places. They're just working really, really hard. And they're all saying, God, I hope that you enjoy this because it's killing me. And they think that holiness is about fulfilling a certain list of arbitrary rules to get God to reward them. And that is a sad reality. Number two, God's commands are burdensome when we feel unwilling or unable to love. When we feel willing unwilling, or unable to love. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm in this reminiscing mode, preparing for this sermon, thinking about, you know, my dating career, which was incredibly short and uneventful. But I do remember my, uh, my first date. 
And so, uh, really awkward, you know. And, uh, but my friends were dating, and so the, the social pressure was enormous. So I thought I should have a go, fit in. And so, uh, so there was this poor girl who said yes. <laughs> should have apologized before as well as after. But, uh, but so what I'm going to do is I am going to, I am, uh, I'm going <laughs> to, don't laugh at me. I, I was trying to be, I was trying to be romantic and special. And so what I did is uh, we're going to go to a dinner and a movie. I mean, it's not super creative, but I was going to make it special. So I'm new to Vancouver. I go with my, uh, my other friends and we plan the whole night. We drive it just because I don't want to do anything wrong. And so we find where we're going to park downtown and then where the restaurant is and, and, uh, and, and you know, make sure the restaurant's open. That's always helpful. And, and where the theater is. And we just, I am planning every moment of this, you know, this night. And I got this sucker nailed. And it's, it's all, it's memorized, you know, and then I ate it and burnt the paper or whatever. Like, I just know it in my heart. And so I pick her up and uh, park in the place that I know that I can park at. I go in the front door and the restaurant shut down that day. <laughs> it's like, well, that's just great. That's just great. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. <clears throat> now, the moral of the story. Uh, I am monitoring everything. Where we're parking, how I'm dressed, whether I'm smiling or not. I'm, I am monitoring everything. I'm making sure I ask her questions and I don't draw attention. I am, I am on, all right? Was that a burden to me? Yeah, it feels, I know it feels, I am having fun because I really care about this person and want to impress them. There's nothing burdensome about that moment. It's super detailed, like it sounds exhausting, right? I am eager to please this person and none of that is law, it's all because I care. So, it's, you can look at the laws in the Bible and imagine my first date. Or, you know, like, and feel burdened, or you can say, no, that's an invitation into caring about someone other than you. Friends, the law is not burdensome if you have a heart of love. Now, it's super exciting to know how to love because I didn't know how to love. And now you're telling me how to love. This is really, really helpful because I didn't get it. And now you're helping me get it. Thank you so much. The law is only burdensome if you don't want to love but feel obligated for point number one, to earn some love. Then it's just hard. It's just hard. But when we're willing and able, holiness is exhilarating. 
And it's fun to plan it all out. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will put my spirit within you, and listen to this, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. All of those are unfortunate words. Careful, obey, and rules. And this is God's wonderful promise to his people. I'll make you super careful to obey all of my rules. You can thank me later. And he's excited to tell you. Because in his mind, it doesn't get any better than his rules. His expressions of love. And this is who I am, and I can hardly wait for you to adopt who I am into your life. It's going to be amazing. And I'm going to give you a new heart that desires to do that and is able to do that. It just gets better and better. Holiness is my gift to you, not my curse. In Mark 2.27, it says, The Sabbath, taking a day off, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not about keeping a Sabbath rule. God wants to give you a day off. And religious people make it a moment of judgment. Are you keeping the Sabbath or not? I remember uh, uh, one of the restful things for me to do is I like washing my car. I just really like washing my car. And uh, I remember I was washing my car on a Sunday once. And I remember somebody came up and they go, you know it's the Lord's Day. I go, yeah, it's excellent. Thank you. I, I'm remembering that now, actually. And they were trying to uh, correct me that I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't wash my car on the Lord's Day. I like washing my car. It's fun. I think about his goodness. Religious people can kill holiness. They miss it entirely. And they live a hell of a life. In conclusion, God is wholly devoted to you. He's holy. You can spell it with, an, with a W or just with the H. But he is wholly devoted to you. He dreams about you. And he desires only goodness toward every single one of us in this room and in this city. He's holy. He can't help but be passionately, madly in love with this city and with you in particular. He's wholly devoted to you. And he asks, out of that motivation, would you be wholly devoted to him? Would you be as madly in love with him as he is with you? And would you let that love be defined by what he says love looks like, not by how you imagine it in your head? As you say yes to that invitation, he calls you a fascinating word. He calls you a saint. Now, we've seen churches named after saints, right? And uh, we think it's interesting 
but I don't know we'd ever want to meet them because they're probably have sour faces. And when he calls you a saint, do you know what he's saying? They're mine. They don't have other lovers. They've, they've churned from every other competing lover and they've given their heart wholly to me. They're a saint. There's, a, there's no confusion in their mind as to who their lover and Lord is. I am. And I'm so proud of them. I call them saints. This is a word I came up with to describe the people who are madly devoted to me in the way that I am to them. They're saints. Isn't that beautiful? It's like saying honey or something. These are the ones that are wholly devoted to me. God's invitation to you, worship team, you can come up. God's invitation to you is to be a saint and not to be self-righteous. Self-righteousness, looking down on others, will kill you. And it's a horror. Christianity that misunderstands holiness is a horrible way to live. It's horrible. It's, it's worse than being a sinner where you can't do any of the fun things that are at least temporarily fun and you don't get to be holy with your father. You live in this in-between space of rules and obligations trying to achieve favor. What a horrible place to live. It's called religion and I hope none of us has anything to do with that. Can we please stand together? Father, I thank you that we don't have to temper holiness. We don't have to water it down. We don't have to make it more accessible. It's the most beautiful thing ever. And to be relevant is to reveal that. And so, Father, I ask now that you would set us free from suspicion of your holiness. Friends, right now, let go of your suspicion of his holiness. Just offer it to God and say, Father, I'm sorry that I thought holiness meant something that was not about love and not about relationship. It was mostly about anger and self-righteousness. Father, we lay down are false definitions of who you are. God is love. God is holy. And he commands us with great zeal and passion to be holy and loving as well. And so we receive your invitation as a lover, as a king, as a father, We receive your invitation to come close, to receive, to be purely devoted, to not be an adulteress, but to be one who walks with single-minded devotion to the source of love 
and life itself. As we worship you now, as we, as we participate in communion, even as some receive prayer, these are demonstrations of our wholehearted devotion to a holy God.